high truths on drugs and addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I am your host, Dr. Onit Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has served at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts, hear stories from the emergency department, and listen to people who have struggled from addiction. Friends, fentanyl is plaguing America. It has infected all illicit drugs, from cocaine to meth, counterfeit pills, and even marijuana. If you are around someone who may be using drugs, you should carry naloxone, the opioid reversal agent. Carrying naloxone for drugs is like carrying an EpiPen for allergies. If you need a prescription for naloxone, you should have one, no questions asked. That is why I am offering a free prescription to anyone who needs one. Come visit me on hightruths.com to learn more about the show, submit a question, or download a free prescription for naloxone. And if you like the show, do me a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. Your stars are very much appreciated and go a long way in supporting the program. Today's episode is sponsored by Isaac, the International Academy on the Science and Impact of Cannabis. Visit their website, isaacone.org, I-A-S-I-C-1.org, to follow the science on marijuana. Hey, High Truth listeners, we are once again together for dialogue and communication on issues of drugs. I'm your host, Dr. Ronit Lev. The National Rx Summit has been meeting annually for a number of years, and each year, overdose deaths keeps going up and up. It's really a very sad state for our country. I want to share a few statistics and science projects from a talk by Dr. Nora Wolkoff, the director of the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Dr. Wolkoff addressed the SAM conference, Smart Approaches on Marijuana, with some key scientific findings. You can listen to Dr. Wolkoff on our High Truth episodes in episode number 55. But she quotes data from the 2020 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, NISDA, which showed a record high use of marijuana in the total population, especially in age 18 to 25. Alarmingly, the number of pregnant women who use cannabis while pregnant has greatly increased in the past 10 years. First trimester use, the most vulnerable stage on the developing fetus, sadly showed the highest rate of marijuana use compared to other trimesters. The large ABCD study on adolescent brain cognitive development showed children whose mothers smoked marijuana have a much higher rate of psychosis symptoms. In another study, children whose mothers used cannabis while pregnant had children with higher incidence of attention problems, and this was controlled for mothers who smoked tobacco or used alcohol while pregnant. In another study, people who had a cannabis use disorder or daily cannabis use had a much higher rate of suicide attempt, and this was true for people with and without underlying depression. And as expected, people with underlying depression plus daily cannabis use had the highest rate of suicide attempt. How does this science translate to medical advice? Two ways. One, pregnant women should not use marijuana products, and two, People with depression should not use marijuana products. And with that, let's hear our question of the day. Hi, my name is Tamar Krieger. I'm the mother of three boys. Um, first of all, thank you, Renit, for High Truths. I love your podcast. 
Um, my question is about marijuana, as marijuana is very prevalent and kids learn about it early in life. What's the best way for me to communicate um, about marijuana to my boys in order to protect their health? Thank you, Tamara, for your important question and quest for providing the best future for your children. And I have a perfect expert to answer your question, Dr. Shannon Murphy. Dr. Murphy is a pediatrician whose primary focus is on adolescent health and well-being. She is actively involved in developing education-based community outreach programs throughout the state and with a concentration on marijuana education for teens, parents, and community organization. She has served on advisory committees for the American Academy of Pediatrics and is an expert on the Physician Council for the International Academy on Science and Impact of Cannabis, Isaac, the sponsor of this podcast. And you can find Dr. Shannon Murphy's bio on the High Truth show notes. Dr. Shannon Murphy, welcome to High Truths. Thank you. How are you? I am great, and I am especially great because we're meeting together and get to talk to you. I heard you had a a great lecture recently on Isaac, the International Academy of Science and Impact of Cannabis. I have a great lecture series, and I heard your lecture, and I thought, I have to have her on my show. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Very glad you're here. Um, and tell us about you. Uh, you're a pediatrician, and you became a, a national drug prevention expert. Uh, what was that path? Well, I actually spent um, years in private practice and um, retired, um, uh, and then started getting involved in um, substance use prevention when I started hearing about um, changing marijuana policies across the nation. Um, it concerned me. Uh, I did. I wasn't hearing um, the health effects related to marijuana. I wasn't hearing um, uh, how it impacts our young people. I was just hearing about, hey, we're changing um, policies and we're starting to commercialize and market a new drug. Um, so I became concerned and uh, embarked on some public health education really centered around health communication. Um, uh, how do we engage Um, in um, uh, meaningful dialogue when it comes to educating our young people on drugs, right? How do we do that? What do we say? Um, And and so that kind of led me down this path of reaching out to the community, um, uh, to other healthcare organizations, um, other government um, organizations uh, to kind of give um, a, a more uh, maybe global perspective than we're getting right now on the marijuana issue um, and talk a little bit about some of the health effects that we're concerned about. So that's what led me uh, to speak with you today and um, I'm grateful that's to be here. Fascinating. Health communication. I think that that's very important. Also relevant today, right? I mean, I don't even know if we're communicating well, even when COVID and national pandemic, are we are we getting something so basic out in a correct way to the public? But um, your expertise in health communication, I want to ask you about that um, for uh, like a parent perspective and also a national perspective. Um, Tamar called into the show. She's a conscientious mother of three beautiful boys. And she asked, how can she best address the issue of marijuana with her boys? How can she best have dialogue, meaningful dialogue and communication um, with her children? 
Well, um, several points to make. First, I'm encouraged that she actually called in, right? Um, because a lot of times um, when our kids hit high school, I'll hear from parents, well, look, they're going to do what they're going to do. You know, they're almost adults now. There's really no reason for me to get involved. And um, from a pediatric perspective, that's actually not the right answer. Um, this is the time to remain engaged. You know, our kids kind of look at us um, uh, to kind of measure, okay, how is my behavior? You know, is this is this something I want to explore or something I need to modify? Um, so they need us um, even more now in those high school preteen years um, than they uh, needed us, you know, as much when they were toddlers and, and youngsters. So staying engaged is critical. Um, the second thing I usually tell my parents is, um, you know, don't wait for the perfect time to talk about it. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll say, oh, I just need a couple of hours to sit down and have that conversation. Those couple hours may never happen. So taking the opportunity in the car or um, just sitting on the sofa watching TV is okay. Um, you don't have to cover every single issue uh, regarding marijuana Um uh, at that particular time, you can kind of follow up and it's probably a good idea to come back to the conversation um, at some point and, and talk about it more. Um, but I usually tell parents to um, feel comfortable um, learning a little bit maybe about, maybe we can go over that today. What are some of the health concerns that we have regarding our young people with marijuana use, right? Um, and, and talk to them a little bit about why media messaging um, doesn't really center around those things. You know, talk about how mar the marijuana industry is a lot like the tobacco industry, right? Minimizing health harms, ignoring risks. So you're not going to hear that um, in the general community. And then giving your kids an opportunity to um, say no, um, to say, hey, I choose not to use. Um, and how would they do that? Um, that's kind of where I would start. Um, uh, but staying engaged, finding just those, um, just even brief times to talk um, it, it is important and, and is the first step. That's great. I think very smart and sound advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not like, okay, I have to have the sex talk. This is more like continuous uh, conversations here and there, bringing exactly. it up and seeing what they're thinking. It's not a one-time conversation at all. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's something you have to bring up over and over again. Sometimes, you know, if you're in a, for example, a grocery store and you see, um, you know, a magazine related to marijuana or or vaping or what have you, that's even a great opportunity to say, hey, take a, I want to bring that up with you when you get in the car, take a look at that magazine there. Um, and then you can kind of engage that way. So using all those different opportunities to and times to kind of um, talk a little bit and hear what they say about it, um, see what their thoughts are, um, you know, is critical. Um, you know, I do want to mention this, you know, we have an, a, a great deal of, um, kind of, uh, our kids listen to what we say, right? And, you know, especially in those preteen years, they they want to, they want to, uh, they, they're watching what we do, they're listening to what we say, they, we are part of their community. Um, so um, don't think they don't want to hear you, they do. And if you don't have an answer, I think it's really okay to say, oh, I haven't heard that, why don't we take a look um, and see if we can find that answer together. Um, I think that's really powerful because it also models, hey, this is the way we find out good, accurate information. So. Right. So kids come and to you and say, hey, you know, I went to the park and there were people there using weed. What do you say? You freak out? Oh, my God. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe internally, <laughs> as a mom, maybe internally, right? Um, right. 
think I think the first thing to do is say, well, what did you think about that? Mm-hmm. You know, what are your thoughts? How did that make you feel? Um, you know, what do you what do you think? And then maybe go off what they say to you, right? Um, were they um, surprised by it? Were they, hey, it's no big deal? Um, because once you hear their thoughts, then you can take the conversation. And in that kind of direction, because you know what's important to them, right? Um, so I think the first thing is just saying, "What are your thoughts on this?" And um, yeah. yeah, I remember when my daughter was in uh, freshman in college this years back. She said, "You know, what's a jewel? People are bringing their jewels in their pocket to school mm-hmm. and college." And I didn't know what it was. Right. I had to, to say, "You know what? Doesn't sound healthy, but let me figure that out." Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's. Okay. You know, I think even healthcare workers, and I, I talk a lot about this as well, can shirk away from the conversation of marijuana because you may not feel like you know enough or that you're equipped enough to yeah. handle the answers. Because sometimes our kids seem to know a lot more than we do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes what they know is not accurate. Um, so it, it is okay to show you're not, um, you're not maybe in the know with every new kind of drug out there. I actually really always refer patients to the National Institute on Drug Abuse website because I think that provides a really good resource for not just marijuana, but any drug. They give accurate, up-to-date information regarding, you know, whatever you need to know. And it's easy to read, easy to follow. Um, So that's kind of where I gear parents to kind of say, hey, let's take a look. Let's, you know, let's see what this, let's see what a jewel is. Let's see what vaping is about or what have you, whatever the conversation may be. Uh, But NIDA, uh, N-I-D-A is the, um, is the website. That's perfect because we're going to use uh, um, NIDOs in our intro here uh, and some of their latest things. So perfect. Great. Um, so you talk about healthcare communications. We talked about how you talk to parents, what they should know, how you talk to kids. What about a healthcare environment? You said you, you work on health communications kind of on a higher level. Well, well, interestingly, you know, and it depends on what your audience is. So if you're talking about, you know, reaching out to government organizations, a lot of times um, that's just really uh, informing, right? So um, giving facts, um, that's really, and I think the critical point of um, when we talk about scientific facts is finding those facts that are relevant to the people you're talking to. um, And that are also really grounded in good science because there's a lot of studies going on right now about marijuana. Um, And uh, some are very good and, and some uh, don't are, are you know have bias associated with them so you know uh, one of the important things is teaching how to be critical of um, uh, data that you receive right um, and typically when it comes to um, marijuana facts for example when I'm talking to this higher level uh, government officials you know my big concern as a pediatrician is how does this affect our young people, right? The American Academy of Pediatrics has actually released a policy statement opposing legalization of marijuana um, uh, because of its potential to harm young people. So my job as a pediatrician, I feel, um, is to really express to these policymakers, hey, these are the concerns we have when it comes to young people. And we're not just talking about kids under the age of 18. We're talking about young adults, even under the age of 25, for example, who are still have brain development, right? Um, they're in an active phase of kind of that neurologic pruning and um, a pro, you know, developing and all those things. So 
um, you know, it's actually, be, to be fair, the communication is the same, whether you're talking to parents, whether you're talking to community or government leaders, or even healthcare providers. Um, but what you focus on might be a little different um, depending on, you know, what they're interested in. But um, whenever you communicate, and I tend to uh, follow, a, you can use any theory you want. You know, fortunately, we have public health theory to guide us. Um, but I like um, a particular theory called health belief model, which kind of, you, you remember three things, right? You remember, okay, I want to give facts. Uh, you remember, okay, I want to address the community conversations and why they're not matching the science we're hearing as doctors regarding health harms related to marijuana. And then finally, we want to address that self-efficacy, you know, so that people feel comfortable saying, hey, I don't think I want to use, right? I'm choosing not to use. And all three of those things, you know, work in concert. So whether you're talking to a parent, a doc, or those policy providers, if you're an advocacy-driven person, it's basic, it's nice to kind of think to yourself, okay, I have three areas I want to concentrate on. Let me figure out what might speak the most to those people within those three areas. Does that kind of make yeah. sense? I think that's great. Health efficacy is that what you call it, and then self-efficacy. Self-efficacy. Mm -hmm. That's great. And uh, and so you know all those. So basically, we're talking the same talk. We're kind of trying to address all those things, um, but we're making it relevant for uh, the audience you're talking to. And, and you know, people ask me why do I concentrate on marijuana so much? Um, I mean, with fentanyl, of course, is a key problem in our our country, but. Marijuana is the only drug where I see a huge gap in education and knowledge. People who use alcohol, tobacco, you know, cocaine, opioids, methamphetamines, they know it's bad, right? Um, but people who are using marijuana think, oh, it's a plant, it's safe, it's okay, um, like it was 100 years ago with tobacco. And I, I see that as a big gap that, that um, you know, we're struggling to fill. Absolutely. I mean, I think that reason alone necessitates, especially healthcare workers, mm -hmm. to speak up on this issue, right? If Because there is no one talking about this. Right now, all we have is media-driven messaging. And again, like you said, like mm -hmm. tobacco from years ago. Um, and what we really know from years of data, looking at um, the monitoring the future um, surveys that are done, over time, the perception of risk related to okay, is it harmful to use marijuana on a daily basis? That has slowly decreased. Um, there is a healthy concern for regular use of alcohol and tobacco and, of course, cocaine and, of course, heroin. Those 12 and above understand the health harms related to using those drugs regularly. But when you ask them, hey, is it harmful to use marijuana on a regular basis? I think it's about a little over a third of people feel that's harmful. And that's a huge disconnect, right? So yeah. and what we know from years of data, right, is that as uh, perception of risk drops, use will typically increase. Um, so I really believe it's the misinformation that you touched on and the normalization of drug use, if you will, in some areas yeah. of our country. Those two things are driving kind of what we're this kind of perception of marijuana is no big deal it's a medicine right um it's the safest drug to use you know my daughter said her friends feel it's the safest drug to use well every drug has health harms right you may not be hearing about them as loudly right now with marijuana uh, but there are health harms particularly for those under the age of 25 who um you know are 
most impacted uh, by um, those biochemical and structural changes that marijuana induces in the developing brain. So with cognitive or intellectual health or with mental health, if you will, um, we know our young people are most affected. We also know that addiction is, you know, really a disease of young people. So um, when you start using at a young age, that increases your risk of developing an addiction, you know, really to any drug, but of course to marijuana as well. So I'm with you. That's how I got um, in this place of marijuana, you know, people say, well, why, why? Well, because we have no public health messaging like we do with right. tobacco. You know, our kids just aren't hearing what they need to hear um, on this. So, right. And, and like you said, kids are more vulnerable to marijuana um, than adults. And, and the reason is because of their developing brain. Is it different from marijuana compared to drugs or alcohol, tobacco? Oh, I think I think the youth brain is vulnerable to all those drugs. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have I don't have the specific science in this, and please correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah. um, you know, I think the younger you are when you start using those drugs, um, uh, the more likely you are to develop, um, uh, you know, uh, bio as I mentioned, biochemical and structural changes, or even addiction to those drugs. Um, but I think marijuana is unique in a couple of ways. One is, again, they're not giving the messaging, uh, the proper health messaging on marijuana that they need to be. Um, and um, I think marijuana itself is a unique plant. Um, uh, you know, it's a very complex plant. Um, and um, it has actually a very long half-life in the body. I, you know, we don't talk about this enough, but marijuana sticks around. Um, and the more you use, the longer it takes to kind of be metabolized and released from your body. It's different than like alcohol, for example, where we know it's excreted, you know, fairly rapidly within hours after use. Marijuana is going to stay on board. So, you know, we talk about acute effects related to marijuana, but there's also been studies showing, hey, even after three weeks after using marijuana, there's some subtle changes going on with decision-making and attention that the user might not even be aware of. So, what concerns me the most is you have a student, for example, using marijuana on the weekend, coming to school during the week, thinks they're back to their pre-use state, uh, but in fact may have marijuana on board and may not be able to learn, take tests, do as well in school, or even mm -hmm. work um, as they normally would have. And that uh, that conversation doesn't uh, get the airtime I think that it needs because it makes it a unique drug it, it, because it, you know, it sticks around for quite a bit. I think that's very, very smart of you to, to say that. And you're right. As far as a developing brain, um, whether it's tobacco, alcohol, marijuana, or, or opiates or any drug, you have a five to seven time fold higher likelihood of developing an addiction in the younger brain than in an adult. But what happens, again, depends on the physiology and, like you mentioned, the half-life. So alcohol is in and out of your system much faster, right? I'd rather have a drunk person in the ER than someone who is high on meth or marijuana because they'll be out of the emergency department faster um, and detoxify faster. Um, and we know alcohol affects the liver, right? Tobacco will affect your lungs. Marijuana, uh, lipophilic, that lasts a long time, affects your brain. So um, uh, even more than, uh, and this is also one of the things that NIDA has pointed out, that out of all the drugs that can cause psychosis, marijuana has the highest likelihood of developing a chronic permanent psychosis with chronic use compared to alcohol, methamphetamines, or other drugs. So more likely to affect your brain, and like you mentioned. 
Well, and I think that's a really important point. So, you know, what I always taught when we talk about, okay, if there's so, there's so much we're learning about marijuana, right? We're learning how, okay, there may be some impact for, to fertility, for example, right? We're learning data on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're learning that it's not heart healthy. Okay, Uh, there's a there's an association with um, strokes and arrhythmias. Right. We're starting to learn that Um, we're learning that it's not safer to smoke a joint than it is to smoke a tobacco cigarette. Right. The American Lung Association has said, look, there's many of the same toxins we have in cigarette smoke as in marijuana smoke. So we're learning a lot. But the two things that we have really good science about that's really concerning is the effect on intellectual health, but the, and also the effect on mental health. And I mm-hmm. think we need to focus on that because um, as you said, marijuana um, increases the risk of mental health issues, specifically psychosis. Um, and for those with a genetic predisposition, the earlier onset of psychosis, right? Um, as a matter of fact, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration has actually pointed out that those are the two things they're most concerned about is the intellectual impact and the mental health impact. And because we don't routinely screen people, okay, well, what is your um, you know, risk for psychosis or bipolar disease or what have you, people can come to the table and use marijuana even one time and have a psychotic event. Now, of course, not ev- that will not happen to everyone, but it will happen to some. And um, although most people resolve that event, there are those that do not resolve, right? And so for those people, talk about a complete derailing of life potential, you know, um, that to me is crucial that our young people don't know that, that look, this is something we're concerned about. It's a, it's a, a an effect of marijuana use. Um, it may not happen, but it may. And, um, and uh, it can really be life changing for you. I don't think people are hearing that messaging like they need to. Um, and what a lot of, I mean, even my colleagues in the emergency department will, will have somebody come in and it's like a stroke code. Uh, we're doing all the stroke code stuff and the, stro- the patient didn't have a stroke. They, it was a marijuana that made them not be able to talk right or move right or think right or have visual hallucinations. And, and uh, I think a lot of the public, including physicians, don't realize that marijuana is not just the plant weed that there concentrates and these dabs and chatters and things that you use a blowtorch to smoke, um, that acts more like methamphetamine than, than you know, than mellow uh, weed of the 70s. Yeah, and we talk a lot. I think it goes over people's head, you know. Um, when I'm in the community, I'll say, okay, when you were, when, what you know about marijuana, which was on average, you know, three to five percent THC okay we're now way above that you know the flower averaging 20 percent THC the concentrate as you're mentioning averaging 67 percent THC you know or higher you know depending um this is a different drug and no one really comprehends that um and I think that's to our detriment because uh you know people don't uh when they they don't think their child is going to use those type of products, um, but we do know that the accessibility, the fact that these are being sold and marketed, that our young people are starting to use concentrates. They do uh, use the edible products, and, um, and and there's just more accessibility now than there was before. So um, yeah, these are very potent drugs, that, and they're and, and are formulations, and they're nothing like what we knew about back in the 70s and 80s. 
Right. And there's a lot of candies out. And you wonder, like, why do adults need, you know, Weedos that look like Cheetos or uh, Oreos? That are, right. Like all these candies. No. Um, um, they absolutely do not. And um, I think that so there, besides the issue of marijuana not receiving the appropriate public health messaging. Right. That's a mm -hmm. that's a public health crisis, I think, in and of itself. There are two mm -hmm. other crises I see coming from this. Um, the first is what you mentioned, the poison, uh, the edible products, um, the candies. You know, there's no reason for those drugs to be in candies. We, there's no, that, you know, a 50 year old man does not care about a ring pop with THC in it, right? Um, uh, and, uh, and the reason why that's a, a crisis is, as I mentioned, it becomes accessible to people who maybe would not have used young people. So if you have a 15 year old, for example, who um, uh, is at a party and someone's using a joint, they may say, hey, I don't want to smoke. I'm not going to try that. But I might use a gummy bear. Right. That looks a little that's something I'm familiar with and not scared of. And that so that accessibility is concerning. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we also know there's an increase in poisonings related to these edible products, both with calls to poison control as well as visits to the emergency room. Um, those numbers have increased dramatically over the last 10 to 15 years. They've actually increased over nationwide, but the increase, like for example, in Colorado has been uh, that much higher, right? We've seen it compared to the rest of the nation. So that's the first public hurt. Um, health issue I see is that we got to get this drug out of candies. There's no reason for those to be sold. Um, and we need an education campaign on storing drugs, not just marijuana, but alcohol, your prescription medications, those type of things. Because most of these poisonings with these young people, it's unintended, um, but they're, they're just not packaged and not stored mm -hmm. properly. So that's the first thing. The second thing is driving. You know, we are seeing a really big increase in drug driving. There is an absolute disconnect between marijuana use and getting behind the wheel of a car. Um, the Colorado Department of Transportation, I believe, did a survey a couple of years ago and said, how many of you who use marijuana have you have driven high? And I think it's like 69% of people. Oh, um, there's so just, they don't understand that marijuana use before driving is drug driving. Um, it does affect attention, your ability to stay in the lane and concentrate and that sort of thing. So there's a huge disconnect there as well. So those are the two places that I see um as you know uh, that need our attention really as a as a as a nation and a community so yeah and what's up with iq um does it really make you dumber yeah um well the you know as i mentioned the substance abuse and mental health services administration picked two things to focus on that they felt there was good science behind one we mentioned was the mental health um, concerns. Um, but the other was uh, the effect on schooling, academic performance, IQ. Um, we do know that on average, those who use marijuana regularly are do less are less likely to graduate, for example, high school, right, or complete a college degree. Um, and then there was a study out about 10 years ago or so now in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences um, by Dr. Meyer and her group that showed that regular sustained use starting at a young age, right, in the teen years and continuing through young adulthood um, was associated with a decrease in IQ of about six to eight points. One of the concerning things they found was that when they followed these, uh, this, I think it's a cohort of like a thousand people, right? They started at the age of 13 and followed them to their mid thirties. And when they followed these folks out, 
there was concern that the IQ hit that these, some of these people were getting uh, was permanent. Um, and, and so, again, you have a young person who has dreams of the type of job they want uh, in the future, um, and they use marijuana thinking, oh, this is a safe drug because of the false media messaging they're getting. Um, and then they have an impact to their cognition. Um, um, you know, we know it affects on the short term memory. We know it affects on the short-term attention. So we know in the short-term, it's definitely having an impact. Um, and that is the quickest way to not reach their goals. And then if you add these studies that we're starting to see, like Meyer's study, hey, if you're using regularly and long-term, there may be something happening on a more permanent basis. Okay, that, that child might not reach the potential that they had they wanted for themselves. And, and that's not okay. Everyone has the right to good health information so they can make good decisions. Kids care about their health. I mean, they want to make um, healthy choices, but unless you're, if they're not getting the information, Right. Uh, can't do that, you know? Right. right. That's so important. Yeah. Um, so Tamar um, also asked me, and so I'm going to ask you about alcohol. She says, you know, um, kids see their parents drink alcohol more than seeing their care parents use marijuana. So what about the risks of alcohol? Well, there are risks of alcohol and it is a problem to model alcohol as a, as you know, behavior. I mean, I think, so it doesn't matter if it's smoking or alcohol or marijuana. Um, as I mentioned, kids are going to watch what we say. They're going to listen to what we say. They're going to watch what we do and they're going to do what they do. Um, I always use a quote by Dr. Nelson. He wrote uh, the famous textbook of pediatrics and he said, you know, belonging is all important. Well, it's all important for all of us, but it's also really important for kids. They care what their peers think. They, they're watching what others are doing in their family. So um, you know, oftentimes, um, if you're lucky enough to have a drug-free community coalition near you, uh, these DFCs, as we call them, will talk about how it's important uh, to watch what you bring to the table as a parent. Um, and this isn't to say you can't, um, you know, um, uh, that you have to, um, you know, only act a certain way in front of your children. Uh, but, you know, modeling, for example, healthy um, uh coping behaviors you know uh, oftentimes parents will come home and say gosh i've had an awful day at work i just need to you know relax and let go um and you know using alcohol to help to, to, in their mind to help control those feelings you know i think does send a concerning message to our young people especially if our young people aren't hearing hey these are some healthy ways to mitigate stress right uh, a drug is not always the answer for that um so i i think that's just as a much of a concern um uh, and be and just because um, that you know we don't always aren't focusing on that today doesn't mean it's not something that needs to be focused on as well. It's not an either or. You know, sometimes we'll hear, well, we have alcohol, we have tobacco. You know, what about marijuana? Well, my question is, well, why even add another drug into the mix? There's always a lot of confusing messaging. You know. Um, uh, with uh, cultural norms surrounding alcohol, um, why do we have to change uh, cultural norms regarding marijuana? Do we need, do our kids do need, does that need to be added to the social pressures that our kids uh, experience? Um, so I, I think that's just modeling healthy coping mechanisms is important, you know, no matter what we're talking about. Right. And I think that those are talking points straight from the marijuana industry of like, it's better than alcohol. Like, wait, you know, it's, it's different. Having 
you know, a glass of wine with dinner here and there is very different than getting high on marijuana and, and not functioning. I don't think that that's uh, model behavior. It reminds me when you say that modeling behavior, I think one of my kids, we had a, you know, a bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah party that, you know, kids are 12 and 13 years old and uh, we didn't have alcohol. And some adults were like, how could you not have alcohol? It's like, it's a kid's party. <laughs> Yeah, not yeah. gonna have alcohol. Right, they don't need it. Right, um, right. And on, on the one hand, on the other hand, like we just came out of you know Passover and Friday night, and, and there there's a many cultures where alcohol is part of of the culture, but it's not in excess. Right, they're not seeing their parents plastered. Hopefully, well, I think um, you know, I think that interestingly with alcohol. Um, you can have a half a glass of wine and not be impaired or what have you. You know, I think if you're going to smoke a joint or do a dab, um, you're going to be impaired. Um, I do think there's, you know, um, uh, a difference. When right. It and there, there are studies if, um, to get back to your drug driving um, just came out of UCSD of um, uh, smoking, I think they did 15, 5 or 13 percent THC and you're impaired for four hours. After. after use, after, yeah, after. four hours after use, and although the if you ask the person if they're impaired, they'd say, "Oh no, I'm fine," but but right. when they do at, put them behind the wheel in these simulations, they're they're impaired. Right, right. Um, so um, you uh, modeling behavior it it makes it difficult, right? If parents, also teachers, are users, how do you teach kids not to use? Right, if there's more parents to use and more teachers using. Then how are how's the message going to get across to children? Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I think that um, and are those people if they if they're using? I'm not sure they're even interested in teaching their kids not to use because for them they right. probably don't see it as an issue. Um, so you know, uh, but it's not an either or. You know, with any drug, and this can go, as we mentioned with alcohol, with prescription drugs. Um, I think we have to. Um, model responsible behavior, for example, with prescription drugs, you know, um, read the, you know, we have, there's rules that come with uh, any medication we take. And, um, you know, with marijuana, I think it's important that we start creating messaging on, okay, this is what impaired marijuana, this is how you get become impaired with marijuana. This, this is what impairment looks like. This is how it affects driving. This is how it affects your behavior. This is how it'll affect you at work. We're just not getting that. And, um, you know, people have a lot of information when it comes to their medication they get from the pharmacy or alcohol that they use or tobacco. We've learned quite a bit over the years on that, but they're just not seeing that with the marijuana. And one of the slides that you had on your Isaac talk was, was the, the three components that leads to drug use. And, and I, I, I think we're, and like you mentioned, we're exactly opposite of that when it comes to marijuana. Perceived harm, like it's not perceived as harmful. Availability, it's, you know, very much available. And social norms, it's becoming more normalized. And, of course, all that's leading to more drug use. And uh, I haven't met a single person who um, overdosed on fentanyl or uses fentanyl that didn't start at some point in their life, usually young, um, um, with marijuana. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not um, everybody who... Um, uses marijuana will become a fentanyl user, but no. almost every fentanyl user started with marijuana. Yeah, they don't go straight to fentanyl. They usually start with um, another drug. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think I think that's a concern, and um, you know, I don't think our parents, you know, know how marijuana has changed, right? I mean, 
you know, as we mentioned, we talked about um, the public health messaging on tobacco and, and alcohol. So parents are aware, but they don't they don't know how marijuana has changed. We talked about the potency. We talked about, um, you know, the fact that it, it stays in the body a long time. Right. That long half life. Uh, we talked about that. There are health effects. Really, parents don't know that. Sometimes I'll even get the question. Well, marijuana is not addictive. Right. I mean, they're still back on that where we know, in fact, that marijuana is addictive. Right. And um, much more addictive for our young people. So uh, to be fair, you know, how do you model behavior when you don't, again, you aren't getting the necessary information to model appropriate behavior, right? If a parent says, oh, okay, I didn't realize they were having, you know, issues, um, uh, you know, with, um, uh, I don't even know, you know, storing, I don't even know. But my my point is, yeah. if people aren't getting the necessary information they need, um, they can't be expected to make to teach their own children about it. Right. Um, and there's a lot of misinformation. I was invited, this is almost funny, but I, I wasn't laughing at the time, but I was invited to talk about fentanyl in a fentanyl roundtable and a bill that I have to um, promote um, fentanyl in urine drug tests. And the senator who was introducing me said, you know, fentanyl is such a terrible drug and, and, and it's killing people. And that's why I have a, a bill out there that would allow people to use marijuana in the hospital because it's, uh, it's not addictive and it's much safer than fentanyl. I was like, <laughs> no. that, that was my introduction. Yeah. Um, uh, um, and it's so, so, I think it's so hard because, you know, um, it, with social media a little bit, you can kind of find anything out there to support your views almost, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, truly. And so when we come at them with, hey, I see what you're saying, but can I show you some of the things we're seeing from these researchers and from, our, you know, and the NIH and, and that sort of thing, right. they kind of look at it with a little bit of skepticism. So, you know, we are bad. We have a battle here to get some good information out. Um, uh, and some public service announcements out and some um, education on driving. And um, uh, because it's not just that they're hearing it, they're seeing it in written form. Um, there was a, a study done in um, one of the journals that actually showed that those who use marijuana were very likely to see marijuana advertising. And the, uh, the more uh, those that saw the advertising were likely to use more and to use more newer products. And so when you- The when industry knows that, right? I mean, they're yeah, smart. Yeah. And so, uh, so all people are getting kind of these kind of, you know, everyone sees this, whether it be in a magazine or on the, the news or, or on a, um, you know, a click, a click kind of headline on a, you know, a web page, you know, news organization, everyone's kind of seeing the same type of messaging. Um, and so your senator, your politician, for example, he's just parroting what he feels like he knows as to be true. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas we are understanding from a science perspective, well, hey, you know what? When we, when the scientists looked at that, the, the opioid data, um, actually, opioid the, the marijuana has not legalization has not. Um, help the opioid situation in those states, right? We're seeing the, fine, the, the the further study of that, but they're just not seeing it. And it's hard to kind of say, hey, well, wait a second, let me show you something here. You know, all of this is very new. Um, 
right. what we're learning. Well, um, we're, what we're saying is against what a billion dollar industry is saying. So how are you? It's impossible. Uh -huh. And, right. and that industry, you know, will bully those who speak out. I mean, we've all been in that situation where, yeah. look, we're just trying to get good messaging to families. Uh, and, you know, you think everyone would be pro-family and pro the health of a young person, right? Um, but apparently not you know they will they yeah, will that's, try to that's bad for business <laughs> it's bad for business they they don't want you to know hey there's a risk of you know um uh you know a school failure if you're using regularly in high school they, they don't want you to know that yeah yeah so you're a mom um yeah. with kids how many kids do you have i have three kids three kids what do you tell your kids about drugs and, and how early do you tell them I started when my kids were very young. I mean, I, but the messaging, um, uh, was very simple back then. You know, when your kids are, you know, three, five, seven, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's enough to say, Oh, you know, do you see that person smoking over there? Gosh, I worry about that person because you know, that's going to cause cancer and heart disease and uh, premature aging. And, you know, just mentioning that's not good for that person. I'm worried about that person. So mm -hmm. starting with simple messaging like that. Uh, but then when they start getting to the preteen years, you can really start talking, you know, about the, the health harms, about whether it be whatever you choose to discuss that day, whether it again be alcohol or tobacco or marijuana. Um, uh, and, um, and then in high school, I think you start relating it to messaging you see in the media or things that happen at school or at a party. Um, uh, you know, I have really focused when it comes to marijuana on the uh, mental health impact and the IQ, um, because I feel like even if they try it once or twice, they may be one of those people who has a psychosis or has a bad reaction or um, becomes addicted. And I, and I want them to understand that's a possibility. It doesn't happen to everyone, but not everyone. It's not, it's not a, a drug that everyone does well with, which is what they hear uh, in the community. So I focus on those two things. I also spend a lot of time talking about, okay, if you're in a situation um, uh, uh, where you you don't want to use, right? You, you've decided I'm not going to use, I'm not going to use marijuana. How do you get out of that situation? Right. And that's a little bit what we're talking about with the self-efficacy. So self-efficacy, as I mentioned, is that perceived understanding of your ability to say, Hey, no, thanks. And I think this is really important. You know, we talk, I want to bring this up again. We talked about the health communication triad, right? So giving facts, and we talked about mental health impact. We talked about cognitive impact. We talked a little bit about um, community conversations and why, in fact, they don't hear about those impacts in the community, right? It's a media-driven message, right? And so being critical of media messaging. So we talk about that. But the third and such an important thing, this is where parents can make a huge impact, is self-efficacy. Teaching our kids, hey, okay, I can say no. And not just to say no, but to understand why. You can't just tell a kid, hey, don't use drugs without giving them the reasons why. That's why those facts that are relevant, grounded in science, are so important, right? So I do talk about those. But then I move into self-efficacy. You know, if you were in a situation, how would you get out of it? A lot of times your kids will come up with their own ideas. They'll actually have already thought about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times they don't. And so I always mention the Keeping It Real campaign, R-E-A-L. That's an acronym. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's basically spells out refuse, 
explain, um, avoid, or leave. So how does that look? Um, you know, for one child, it could be just saying, hey, no thanks, just outright refusing, no explanation given. Um, it can be for one child explaining, hey, you know what, I get drug tested in my sport. I, I don't want to do this. You know, this is, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be avoiding the situation, you know, teaching your kid how to identify those high risk um, uh, events so that they can say, Hey, mom and dad, you know, I don't think I'm going to go to this party. You think if you have some friends over instead here, um, or just leaving. And one of the things you can do for your child is create that exit plan. You know, if your kid is in a situation that they can't leave, you need to help them get out of it and still save face. Right. So how does it look? Y'all come up with a code. Um, this is, if I text you this mom, I just need you to call and say, you're coming to get me. So we really focus on the facts and just role playing. They hate it. They get embarrassed when I do this, but we role play, you know, how would you handle this situation? What are you going to do tonight? If someone does this, what's your plan? Um, and have a couple of different options and whatever you feel comfortable doing, let's do it. So that's what I tend to focus on. Um, when I'm in the community speaking, I tend to focus more um, on community conversations and why media messaging is such as it is. I talk about parents must remain engaged. I talk about how important it is for us to understand some of the impact data we're seeing from the states that have changed their laws. Um, you know, Rocky Mountain Haida puts out a report every year um, um, on, uh, you know, ER visits, hospitalizations, poisonings, as I mentioned, uh, crime, diversion, black market. You know, um, the, uh, the information we're getting back is concerning. Um, there, there, there's concern there. So, I tend to try to educate the community on just um, uh, staying aware of um, uh, what's happening in some of these other states. Um, because I don't think they're hearing that. They're hearing, oh, everything's great. Not really. Um, uh, there's concern there. Um, Shannon, you give great advice also to, you know, on a, on a public level down to the, the parent and child level. What are your, what's your final advice for tomorrow raising uh, three beautiful boys? Um, well, don't let um, perfect be the enemy of good, right? I mean, you know, you may not have all the answers, you may not have all the time, but taking one or two minutes to say, just explaining, hey, these are, I'm concerned about this. Uh, this is my concern. And, um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about it. Um, so engaging um, uh, on the issues, knowing your kids activities, knowing their friends, um, uh, deciding what your rules are on drug use and what the consequences will be firm, but loving, of course, absolutely. Um, I think that that's the final answer. It, it's not the time to disengage because policies are changing does not mean it's okay. I think sometimes people think, oh, because it's becoming a new law or there's new rules that it must be safe. Kids think that a lot. Um, and, and that's not the case. Policies, things change for other reasons. So stay, stay, if you, if, you know, stay firm in your concerns, um, uh, bring it up often, um, start early. Um, and, and take a look at good websites like the National Institute of Drug Abuse for any questions you might have. I think that's kind of would be my final recommendations. And that's great advice. I want to say thank you to Tamara, who's a wonderful mom, 
I can attest to that. Um, and I wish her lots of health and fun and inspiring experiences that develop your boy's frontal lobe and neuronal pathways. And thank you also, Dr. Shannon Murphy, great mother, great pediatrician, great child advocate. And uh, you've really helped us create meaningful and factful dialogue on marijuana and drugs. Well, thank you so much. I'm grateful for you to have me today. And um, thank you for putting on this production. Thank you. Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support from our sponsor. A sincere and warm thank you to Isaac, the International Academy on the Science and Impact of Cannabis, doctors educating on the harms of marijuana. Visit IsaacOne.org, I-A-S-I-C-1.org to view their medical library translated for public understanding, listen to their speaker series, and follow the science. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions. I am your host, Dr. Ronit Lev. We hope we brought your day a little bit more high truths. Thank you.